Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Nothing in sports is more devastating than the counter-strike. Just when an opponent thinks he has the advantage, when he thinks he is exploiting your weakness, you deliver the counter-strike and you end the competition. There are plenty of athletes in various sports who are known as counter-strikers and It is really something to behold. Now, in God's work, occasionally a counter-strike must also be delivered. And really, it is occasionally. It doesn't happen very often because, well, really, a lot of those criticisms against God's work must be ignored. However, there are times where it is worth responding and really responding in a devastating fashion and really just exposing the enemy's attack and the enemy's lies. Revelation 12 verse 10 says, the accuser of our brethren is cast down who accused them before our God day and night. That's talking about Satan, the devil. The devil is cast down. John 8 verse 44 calls him a liar. He is the father of liars. And so he inspires people from time to time to lie about God and God's church and God's work. And sometimes those lies do need to be addressed and refuted. So there are a few examples I can think of over the years in church history that uh, illustrate this point pretty well. Now, I'm just talking about the history of the Philadelphia Church of God. There's certainly a lot of examples in the Worldwide Church of God under Herbert W. Armstrong as well. But just delivering a counterstrike, ending the debate with a clear and decisive victory. We're not even supposed to engage in debates, but sometimes people go out of their way to attack God and they have to be stopped. Now, the most recent major example of this was back in 2008 when a local news station slandered God's church in a two-part series on TV. And it was just really shocking to watch this happen because I remember I was pretty young at the time and, and we had some people over at the house and we turned on the news report and we were all just literally almost gasping and laughing when we saw what this reporter 
said, this so-called investigative journalist, he was treated really well and given a tour of the campus of Herbert W. Armstrong College here in Edmond, Oklahoma. People sat down with him and talked with him and answered all of his questions honestly and and gave him some some really great treatment. And yet the interview was the interviews were cut up and deceptively edited and comments were distorted and all kinds of doomsday imaging and and video or, or, or and sound effects were played alongside the various interview sound bites. And it was just a total wicked attack against God's church. So how did God's church respond to this situation? Well, it was a pretty strong response. This two-part so-called investigative news report back in 2008 on TV here in Oklahoma. It was addressed decisively. This is what Mr. Gerald Flurry wrote in a coworker letter from 2008. The news report shows that Satan has ramped up his attack on God's work. But I also believe this attack may be one of the best opportunities we've had in a long time. Just what is God's purpose in allowing this? God is in control of this work. Nothing happens without his consent. There is a reason for these events. And he then goes on to say that God's work is consistently growing, but so is Satan's. Maybe we don't always think about it that way, that Satan has a work. The devil is, of course, chaotic, and he's so wrathful and enraged that his decision-making ability is extremely hindered, but he still has a work. He still has a purpose, a passionate purpose to destroy God's work. Mr. Fleury writes, over the years, Satan has worked extremely hard to ruin our reputation in our local community and to turn the people of Edmond and Oklahoma against us. And then Mr. Fleury said, I believe God is taking this opportunity to say enough is enough. So the response by the Philadelphia Church of God was four full-page ads in Oklahoma's largest newspaper, The Oklahoman, and then full-page ads in three smaller newspapers. Now, this this was all in response to a short two-part series by a local news station, and they got absolutely torn apart by our response. Mr. Stephen Flurry also held a press conference to address some of the accusations in the in the report. And you you have to to think that this news station did not see this coming. 
they generally think of Christians as people who will meekly lie down and take the beating and turn the other cheek. And yet that's not what we do when it comes to defending God. Mr. Flurry writes about that in this December 16th, 2008 coworker letter. God is going to do his work, but if we didn't stand up and fight those who attack it, we would be trampled in the dirt. We must take a stand and we must fight for our own survival. We are, after all, in a spiritual war. So we can't just let every attack go unanswered. Sometimes there does have to be a counter-strike. And that's what happened. This journalism was called disgraceful yellow journalism at its worst. That's what Mr. Stephen Flurry said in response to that news station attack. Now, this attack basically took teachings that come directly from the Bible and presented them as insane. So isn't that an attack on anyone who claims to believe the Bible? Not just God's church, but plenty of people, billions of people around the world enjoy reading the Bible and they at least give the Bible some amount of credibility. Meanwhile, we take words directly out of the Bible and teach them to people. And yet, this reflection of our teachings was under attack by our own local news station. And sometimes that's how it goes. The, the most severe attacks come from the people in, in closest proximity to us. Really the most infamous part of the <laughs> news report was when they put a camera outside of the campus looking in, but they basically put the camera on the ground in the high grass on the other side of our fence. And there's just this one stretch of campus where there's a barbed wire fence separating our property from the neighboring farmer. And so they put the camera looking up through the high grass and through the barbed wire fence at a building in the background that happened to be our building. (laughs) So everyone to this day still remembers that, people who saw that report. Because that's just the tone of the entire report. It was just a smear against God's church. Well, look at this cult. We're only able to get a view of it from the outside, from beyond the barbed wire, even though they literally were able to come onto campus and walk anywhere they pleased and ask whatever they want and have access to anything they wanted to see. How dishonest is that? Now, Mr. Stephen Flurry also said in the press conference in response that this report was was made to increase the ratings of that TV station. 
he said to me, they're the ones scaring people to get money. We don't scare people to get money. Our people give voluntarily and they give because they believe in this work. And so that, that's just, it's just funny. The counter-strike so much of the time, the enemies of God will accuse God's work of exactly the crimes they are committing. Here, this report was a desperate money grab by the local news station, and yet they accused God's work of doing that exact thing. Go ahead and watch the Key of David television program with Mr. Gerald Flurry and see if you can find one time ever where he has asked for money. When has he ever gone on the air before the public and asked for money? So that's just an indication right there that God's church and God's work are not just trying to gobble up as much money as possible. That's just not true at all. So this is just one example of a devastating counter-strike delivered by God's work against the attackers of God's work, against those who would try to destroy God's reputation and undermine what he is doing here on earth today. Notice 1 John 2 and verse 18 Little children, it is the last hour, it should read. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last hour. So there are many Antichrists, many people who fight against Christ. Obviously, there are also plenty of people who rebel against God and eventually just fall away, end up doing their own thing. But the majority of those people don't turn around and just start attacking God viciously, but some do. And a very small number of those attackers need to feel the counter-strike. So here's another example. This is from... Uh, the book Raising the Ruins by Mr. Stephen Flurry. You can get a free copy of Raising the Ruins at thetrumpet.com. There is just <laughs> really a, a devastating chapter in this book titled Credentials. And in it, Mr. Flurry talks about the attacks leveled against Mr. Armstrong by his own successors. By those who took over the Worldwide Church of God after he died in 1986. And they say, well, Mr. Armstrong was ignorant of what the Bible actually says. Herbert Armstrong and scholarship did not mix well, one of these attackers said. They said Mr. Armstrong simply wasn't much of a church historian. And so Mr. Stephen Fleury says in the book here, well, okay, 
you're going to attack the credentials of a man God used to do his work in this end time. So what about the credentials of his successor? If you're going to call God's man ignorant and uninformed and say he didn't really study to prove the truth, then how do the credentials of the next man stack up to his credentials? So I'll just leave that to you <laughs> to read for yourself. Uh, it's it's hard for me to even uh, read it sometimes because it's just such an obliteration. It is it is a nuclear bomb in written form. So go ahead and get that for yourself and and see more about that. But you see, that's what happens sometimes. You know, if if people disagree with God and they hate what God is doing through his church and through his work today, it might be smart for them to stay quiet <laughs> and not go on the attack because that's when the counter strike could happen. So here's another, just one more example of the occasional counter strike delivered by God's church when under attack. This is an article from Mr. Stephen Flurry in the June 1992 Philadelphia Trumpet titled, Who is Following Herbert Armstrong's Footsteps? And in this article, Mr. Flurry addresses a lot of the accusations by a specific WCG minister named Gerald Waterhouse against Mr. Armstrong. Now, maybe some of you remember some, some things about Mr. Waterhouse and how he was a, a really big supporter of Mr. Armstrong as long as Mr. Armstrong was alive. But then, of course, when the WCG starts making all these radical changes in the late 1980s and early 1990s, a lot of people had questions and it seemed like a big job Mr. Waterhouse had to do was to go around and answer people's questions and try to basically convince the brethren that the changes happening in the church weren't really so bad. Even though all the fundamental doctrines of the church were being turned upside down and torn apart and overthrown, it wasn't such a big deal. And God was still in that church, and he was still working through that leadership. That was what Mr. Waterhouse tried to tell everyone. And so one thing that Mr. Waterhouse pointed out was that, well, Mr. Armstrong wasn't really a great manager of church resources. He didn't really know how to manage. He, he knew how to speak, but he didn't really know what else he was doing. And then he said, <laughs> Mr. Takach is a manager. So jo Joseph Takach, who came after Mr. Armstrong, he is a manager. Mr. Armstrong was not a manager. Mr. Armstrong was an entrepreneur, traveled all the time. He didn't like big meetings. 
Mr. Takach thrives on them, meeting after meeting after meeting, day after day. That's what Gerald Waterhouse said about Mr. Armstrong. So, Mr. Takach is go is in all these meetings every single day. That's all he. I mean, it, it, you get the impression that that's all he does all day is just talk about stuff. When does stuff actually get done if all you're doing is having meetings? Now, probably a lot of us know from experience that most of the time, meetings are not highly necessary. Most of the time, there are other ways to make sure that the job is being accomplished besides having a meeting. A lot of the time, it could be easy to conduct a meeting or be part of a meeting that isn't particularly worthwhile or productive. Now, sometimes meetings do have an outstanding purpose, but meeting after meeting after meeting, day after day, that's that's pretty wild. I mean, that's Mr. Mr. Gerald Flurry has maybe a few meetings a month. He doesn't have multiple meetings every day. After all, there is a work to do. There are messages to prepare, to speak, and to write, to get God's message out to the world. He can't just be in meetings all day long or else nothing else would actually get done. But the point here is Mr. Waterhouse is saying, Mr. Armstrong's not a manager, he's an entrepreneur. And yet, the definition of entrepreneur is someone who organizes, manages, and assumes the risks of a business or enterprise. So you'd think if he's going to attack Mr. Armstrong, he should at least look up the definition of the words that he uses to describe Mr. Armstrong. He's not a manager, but he's a manager, basically, is what Mr. Waterhouse ended up saying without realizing it. Now, God's work grew 30% every single year for years, for many years. I believe it was even into decades. Just unprecedented growth. All under someone who wasn't even a manager, apparently. Now, Mr. Waterhouse, very quickly after Mr. Armstrong died, did no longer agreed that Mr. Armstrong fulfilled any Bible prophecies like Matthew 24, verse 14, Matthew 17, verses 10 and 11. And he criticized Mr. Flurry pretty heavily for not being trained at Mr. Armstrong's feet. And yet... Does that, is that all it takes to be used by God? God says in the Bible he could raise up rocks to replace us if he wanted to. So obviously we don't have to be right at Mr. Armstrong's feet physically. We should be, be at his feet spiritually. And living by and applying what God taught us through Mr. Armstrong. And that's what Mr. Flurry did. He followed God's law and government, and that's why God is able to use him today. Now, if you ever get a chance to find this article, again, it's from the June 1992 Philadelphia Trumpet. 
It does thoroughly address and refute the attacks against Mr. Armstrong and Mr. Flurry. And it does show where God is working today. And that's really the point of the counter-strike. It's not just to grind the opponents of God into the dirt. That's not what it's about. It's about showing who God is and where God is working. And it really should be a witness to more people. There is a productive use to the counter-strike to hopefully wake some people up and, and help them see the truth. So today, hopefully you've learned a little bit about the counter-strike and how it works and why sometimes in the work it is worth addressing the attacks. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.